Good Thursday afternoon, everyone. I'm Andrew Dow with Saunders & Associates. It is time for our Happening in the Hamptons podcast, our weekly breakdown of the Hamptons market, new listings, and events on the East End. Our podcast today is sponsored by New York Title Abstract, the Hamptons' leading title insurance firm. Visit newyorktitle.com or titleinsurance.com. Now, let's get to the show. Joined today by Steve Glick. Uh, Dave Retiner is off this week, and joining us is, I will call her, a Hamptons Real estate legend, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> Diane Sachi. Diane, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I would also say she's a skilled negotiator, and that's why she joins us today, is to talk a little bit about bidding wars, which you say are still going on. So how do you win them? What happens if you get caught up in one, and what do you do? Well, if you're a seller, you think you died and went to heaven, um, <laughs> and it's what you dreamed about. And if you're a buyer, you think that the world has come to an end. Um, not to you know, kind of be too dramatic about it, but um, one always wondered why bidding wars were called wars, and now we know they are. They've become kind of blood sports, and there's um, a, a couple of problems with it, and that is that nobody likes to be a loser. Right. And when you're buying a second home for a lot of money, you're kind of upbeat and you're excited. And then to find out that you can't have what you want is really a downer. So, so l let's start off. Like, what is a bidding war? How does a bidding war start off? Like, you okay. launch a listing. It's, it's a price. Someone says, okay, I'll take it. I'll put in full ask. You just, someone will think, well, that's it. I just, I just got the listing. Right. That's not, that's not the case. No. Right? Well, a couple of things happened in just a little history. Back in the 80s, when um, the real estate market was very frothy like it is now, mm -hmm. um, but in the UK, um, they, had a, a, they invented a word called gazump. And I don't know if any of it. Um, Gazump means you make a deal. You have, uh, you know, you're buying the house for full ask. Mm -hmm. And between shaking on the deal and closing on it, somebody comes along and offers more money. They have gazumped you. Ah, okay. Um, so, and in the UK, the time between making a deal and actually closing is much longer than it is here. Okay. Or at least back then it was. So, gazumping the when the market was going up in those weeks or months between, you know, saying I'm buying this house and actually signing on the dotted line, um, the market would go up and more people would come along and there'd be higher prices. So there's um, people now, at least, you know, kind of once they make an offer, let's say it's full asking price, they try and move very quickly so that somebody doesn't come along and gazump them. Hmm. So that's one way you get into a bidding war. You have a deal, somebody mm -hmm. comes along and, and offers more money. Um, that's probably the most common, okay. but it's very frustrating because very often a house has been on the market for a while and you can't understand why suddenly somebody else wants it. And when one of the things that happens in, in real estate, um, particularly in high stakes real estate with people who are used to um, negotiating and bidding and getting what they want, is people get a little paranoid or let's say they get suspicious and they think that the listing broker or the homeowner is shopping the deal. Got it. Um, so you often hear, I'm putting this offer in, but I don't want anyone to shop it. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there's, you know, I'm going to the beach and I don't want it to rain. You know, it's, it's a nice now. wish, but it's not necessarily something that's going to happen. So what are they supposed to do if they put in a full price offer and you want to get into contract as quick as possible, what's the best advice to, to do that? Well, the, the best advice is um, kind of hard to take, but um, um, there are a couple of attorneys here that are smart enough and agile enough to do it. And that is instead of the buyer just saying, 
I want to buy this house, I want it to be subject to inspection, and have your attorney send my attorney a contract. Okay. Um, the best thing is to go to, a, go to a, a, your attorney and have him or her do the contract. So when you submit your offer, you have a signed with contract the with the deposit. With the check, right With there. the check. And you've, and you've given up all the possible contingencies. Wow. Um, and um, there are some attorneys who are willing to do that. And it, it's not that crazy um, in that real estate contracts are pretty simple. Mm -hmm. And I'm not an attorney, so I'm not here to tell you about contracts. But there's a, um, if you go to an attorney who's willing to do this for you, um, and I always suggest you do it with a local attorney and hope that the other purchaser, the, the, um, the seller is also willing to use a local attorney, that they know each other's contracts and they can kind of sort those things out pretty quickly. But if you're a seller and you have a contract and a deposit, right. and nobody's going to be inspecting or worrying about a, um, mm -hmm. a mortgage contingency or all the other things that buyers could be asking for. You're in pretty good shape, and you can be in contract in a day so or two. I heard stories where people are bringing the inspector to when they go preview a house. Yeah. They just say, hey, I'm coming to see the house, and here's my inspector with me, and they're going through it. So if they're excited about this could be the one, they want to do those things as Smart quick move too. as possible. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I tell buyers that if they're looking in this market and they're serious about buying something, they need to be do three things. They need to be very quick. Mm -hmm. You know, like we'll talk about this. It's not going to work. Um, and they have to be strong, and they have to not make it complicated. And it's very, very, very hard intuitively for a purchaser to, one, to pay full asking price, and then or even over full asking price. Because we just, you know, we're, our DNA is not like that. You think you can negotiate. Right. Everyone thinks they offer it. They at less offer more to get, you know, to negotiate down. But it doesn't work that way in this kind of market, particularly a property that's fresh on the market that right. looks like it's going to be attractive. If it's a new construction, just, you know, don't say, I'll pay full asking price, but I want you to put in a hot tub or whatever all those things <laughs> right. are. Because for the cost of a hot tub, you can lose the house. Wow. And I think, too, that if you have a buyer that has been through the process a couple times and maybe lost a couple houses to other bidding wars that... It might be, as you said, counterintuitive for somebody new to the market to be like, well, I should be able to get a, you know, $100,000 off that asking mm -hmm. price. And they're like, I'm telling you, it's not going to work. And then when they lose a property or two to a much higher bid, then they're like, okay, I understand how the game's yeah. played. I like to work with a buyer who's lost two houses. Mm -hmm. Just because they understand. They understand that they can't play that game anymore. And another interesting point is, is the importance of, one, I think having representation on the buyer side, mm -hmm. having somebody in your corner, basically, and then somebody that's obviously one, a local agent, two, a local attorney, because this is a specialized market, and having people that are out here and deal with this all the time is important. Right. So, uh, so you know, we've talked a lot about the, the market shifting. I mean, we were talking about this yesterday with, with Andrew and, and what it might look like in the future, but, you know, while the the... The frenzy of the pandemic is obviously behind us. You're still saying it's still, still a seller's market and still, um, still a lot of bidding wars out there. Yeah, I think you know under two million dollars. Um, I I haven't seen a shift. Uh, people are still fighting over. You know, we have more buyers mm -hmm. than than product in in that price point. Um, when also when you get to like forty million dollars or more, okay. Um, th I, these rules don't necessarily apply. It's that. 
large in between where there's uh, rare properties, particularly something brand new. I um, was talking to somebody the other day and they said, you know, is it, it what matters more these days, new or location? And right. actually, I think new construction, new construction, new construction is the current location, location, location. So it doesn't and, matter if it's north or the areas. They want new, they want the amenities. We keep hearing, oh, I want this amenity, I want the basement, the tennis, the pool, the, the yard. So it doesn't, so they're no longer like I have to be south of the highway. Um, I, sometimes people prefer to be south of the highway, sure. um, and but the problem is that new construction south of the highway goes so quickly that you almost have to you know be there before construction begins. Are you seeing a lot of new construction homes being built still? Um, look on drive on twenty seven. Yeah, I mean, there's you know when when you see spec houses on twenty seven, you know something strange. There were there were land on. listings that had sat for as long as I've been out yeah. here, you mm-hmm. know, and then they got bought up during the pandemic and. You know, beautiful new houses are getting built in up. spots that, yeah. So, um, how, let me ask you a question about the bidding yeah. wars. I want to go back. How does one, how does a, build, a bidding war end? Like, if, if, if you know, Andrew says, <laughs> right, I put in full price. Yeah, I was going to say, some, somebody <laughs> upset. I want to put one in. I want to go, you know, $20,000 higher. Like, is there a sealed bid? Is there like best and final? Or is that even a thing anymore? Or is it, it doesn't matter? Just the sky's the limit. There's no ceiling. You know, it's, um, it, there are no rules and lots of different things happen, but I can tell you that no matter how you do it, a lot of people are going to be really angry at you. Yeah. Um, we had a situation um, not too long ago where something came on the market. Um, within three days, actually, on the third day of the listing, it was a weekend, we had nine sealed bids. Seven nine. Of th- nine. Seven of, them, seven of them were at or above asking. Now, the owner was very excited, mm-hmm. um, but at the end of the day, the owner thought they could have gotten more. Oh, wow. The buyer <laughs> thought he paid too much, oh. and the other brokers and, um, and buyers were all angry with me. And, you know, we did it as fairly as possible. Sure. And everybody would say to me, was it your customer? Um, as uh, though it being my customer would make a difference. And I can only tell you one of them were my customers, and they haven't talked to me since. They're the wow. ones that didn't get it because they thought actually they did something, I, I don't know if it was um, planned or not, but there was a deadline and an hour after the deadline, I hadn't heard from them. So I didn't know if they sent an email and I didn't get it. So I just sent them an email and I said, I haven't heard from you. The deadline was five o'clock. And they said, oh, we thought it was six o'clock. Can, yeah. can we have some more time? I asked the owner and they said, yes, they would give them more time. And then I said, you can have more time. And they said, well, what can you tell us? Mm. And I said, I can yeah. tell you that yeah. you have another hour. Right. <laughs> right. I, you know, and yeah. they were furious that oh, I didn't give them the number. Um, yeah. Well, um, people don't realize that, you know, the seller, the seller makes the calls. The, sell, the seller's in the driver's seat. So he may get five offers and the seller may not accept the most expensive offer. Correct. For whatever reason it is. They may be personality the the terms how much deposit so people have to understand that you know we work for the seller you mm-hmm. know and whatever he the, they decide to do with the property is what we have to abide by and it may not always be the most expensive um, yeah the, 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 the highest price isn't always the strongest it's, right it's you know we call it best and final for right. that reason right. um but i cannot tell you how many people after they submit their best and final or highest and best um, want to do a better best uh, um, right. you know I, I didn't realize you know can I do one more and you, is no matter how transparent you are people get you know they feel like somehow their whatever is worth more 
Um, and just we haven't talked about the seller's role in a bidding war because I sure. you you brought that up and okay. I want to say um, I have a number of sellers who come to me and they say oh gosh I want a bidding war I want to get way they you know want they want war. a bidding war okay. no that's the way to get more money and you <laughs> can get you can kind of set things up but you have to list it at a very low price right you can't list high and expect a bidding war you can list high and expect that you're going to be lonely and nobody's going to come and see your house <laughs> or you can give it a really you know, and and it, for sellers, it's so counterintuitive. Um, list low. I don't think in this market you can ever be too low, unless you sell without exposing your property to the market, which is the subject for another podcast. But I, if you list correctly, which is very tight to the real actual price based on comps and the market, mm-hmm. you can you can actually evoke a bidding war. Wow, but and that's it. That's a hard pill to swallow for some people because especially if you go on a listing pitch and you're like, I think you should be at this number, and they think they should be five hundred thousand or a million dollars above that, and you're like, listen, if you trust me on this, if you list where I'm telling you, the chances are. You're going to get more than what you're asking. Yeah, that, that but it's yeah. it's like you said, it's very counterintuitive. It takes a lot of skill yeah. and a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience on the agent's part. Like if I'm, I'm a new agent, and I'm telling someone, "Oh, you got to list lower." They're going to be like, "Who are you? Like, what what right. experience and what history of this do you, do you have that backs you backs your up your advice up with, with Diane? I mean, you've been doing this for you've seen a lot of different. Um, you know, time periods in the market and you know from your experience that this is the way to do it and they should listen to you because you're making a lot of sense. Um, I want to ask you a question. We have a lot of new agents here mm-hmm. at the firm and there's a lot of new agents that came into real estate um, due to the, the pandemic over that we've seen a lot of new agents, um, you know, leave Manhattan or start new careers and they're in real estate and they're coming into this crazy market, you know, over the past two years, it's been wild. What advice would you give a, a, someone that's starting out in Hamptons real estate as an agent? So it's re- this is really tough because even experienced brokers are fighting for listings right now. And mm-hmm. and to yeah. the point of pricing, um, a lot of folks realize that the way to get a listing is to promise something. Um, that sounds too good to be true, but sellers often want what's too good to be true, just like buyers do, but you know, mm-hmm. or all of us do. And everyone in real estate is looking for the greater fool. Um, and mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't have many fools around here. Um, or anywhere, but the, the um, I, I think new brokers and and I, I say this all the time. You have to expect that you're probably not even going to cover your expenses for the first three years in this business. Three, yeah. And if you can't afford to do it, you need to look for another business. And working part time because you need an income while this is going on is kind of going to make those three years into six years. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and and it's just a reality that's true in almost any market. The, fortunately, now there are a number of seasoned, you know, experienced brokers who would be very happy to have the help of an, a newbie or a rookie. Mm-hmm. And if you can afford to work as an assistant um, or kind of offer yourself for a variety of things like sitting in open houses, um, doing rentals, um, a number of things that really busy, experienced and successful brokers don't have time for, you'll learn the business. That's um, great advice. But that, yeah. that in itself, I mean, you, you just nailed it, you know, just just putting in the work, being it full time. Like you said, yeah. don't do it part time. Be all in on it. Know yeah. that, you know, that you're, you're committing yourself to real estate. And for the first two to three years, you might not make the income you're looking for. But over time, and if you work hard and you work with uh, an experienced agent you, to learn the business, you will be successful. But it's what you put in is what you're going to get out of it. Yeah. 
I had, I, this is just a quick story. I, I had got coffee with the, the guy who sold us our house in Florida when we lived down there. Mm -hmm. And I had talked to him about getting the real estate. And he said, let me tell you something. He said, a lot of people have the real estate license. Like we'll say, but maybe five or 7% of them actually do business right. full time. And he's like, and if you want to be successful in this business, you got to commit to it. Mm -hmm. And you know, same holds true up here. Um, let's talk about the market mm -hmm. uh, this week. Steve, what do you got as far as numbers? Yeah, the, the market's always interesting and it's, it's changing every every week we're going to see new numbers but over the past week there are 26 listings that went into contract when you compare it to last year at the same time there were 62. so we're looking at a year-over-year -year decrease of 58 percent in transactions when you compare it to 2020 there are 28 listings so normally we are up from 2020 but this particular week we're decreased from 2020 by seven percent so it's a decrease over the past two years the breakdown of those 26 transactions this week there was one between 10 and 20 million two between eight and 10 million, two between six and eight million, one between four and six million, six between two and four million, and 14 under two million. The dollar volume this past week was roughly $87 million in dollar volume. Compared to last year, the same week, it was 218 million. So it's a decrease of 60%, which is in line with the transactional decrease of 58%. When you compare it to 2020, the dollar volume was 106 million. So um, it is a decrease of 18%. Over the past week, there were 46 new listings coming onto the market. So again, we're seeing an increase in the inventory by 20 listings. So wow. this is a big number. Last week, I think, was also um, close to 20. And now two weeks in a row, we're seeing an increase of 20 listings. So that's healthy to see the market increasing of inventory. This, um, to me, that shows like a healthy market. Right. The uh, breakdown of those 46 new listings that came onto the market, there was one over 20 million, two between 10 and 20 million, two between eight and 10 million, four between six and eight, six between four and six, 13 between two and four, and there's 18 new listings under two million that came onto the market. And that, so it's obviously good to see more inventory coming on, but I think that figure, what was it, 14 under $2 million, just mm -hmm. reinforces your point that that's yeah. probably the most competitive part yep. of this market where you're gonna see the bidding wars. Mm -hmm. um, and since this is normally where I would toss it over to Dave for what's happening this weekend, but Steve's gonna fill in for him and I talk am. a little bit about what you can expect now that the, uh, well, I don't even know what the weather's gonna be like this week, and I think not so great. So you got some you know, indoor it's, it's, things? It's hit or miss. I mean, this weather, we're trying to keep it over 60 all week, um, <laughs> yeah. but we are seeing some rain in May, unfortunately. But there are some great indoor activities this week. Um, the first one's my favorite, Tracy Morgan. The comedian Tracy Morgan is gonna be performing at the West Hampton Beach Performing Arts Center on Saturday evening nice. from eight to 11. So if you're in West Hampton Beach, or you want to venture out there, it's a great time to see Tracy Morgan. Um, if you're in Amagansett or out here in the Hamptons, Stephen Talkhouse. If you haven't been to the Talkhouse, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Dad, Andrew, not, you got to get over been. there. I need to go. I um, they have a cover band, Nicholas Road. He's they're going to be performing uh, Friday night from 10 to 2 a.m. So this is a little late night, you know, 2 a.m. Jeez. I'll be asleep by the 2 time they come on I haven't seen stage. 2 a.m. in 10 years. <laughs> well, that's that's a fun time <laughs> there at the Stephen Talk House. Um, we also have in, in Bridgehampton, there's the Chamber Music Spring uh, French Flourishes. This is uh, flutes and pianos. And this is going to be at the Bridgehampton Presbyterian Church. This is going to be Saturday, May 14th, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. That is right here in Bridgehampton. And that's what we have. Um, those are some... Good things to go on. There's a lot more happening. Um, 
around the Hamptons, you could check it out on happeningthehamptons.com. If I'm up at 2 a.m., it's because my three-year-old woke me up. That's, <laughs> that's the only time I see 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, that's great. Diane, any final thoughts? Um, I, I, th I, th I think what an important thing for buyers is not to sit around and wait for a new kind of market. And a lot of people say, look, the market's going down, I will wait. And I say to people all the time, people who wait for the market to be right are generally called tenants. <laughs> and, <That's>, I mean, <laughs> it, it's, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things change. When you find the house you love that you can afford, go for it. Well, that's, you know, if you had bought before the pandemic, mm -hmm. which a lot of people were like, well, it's high, right? You know, mm -hmm. it's high, we're at the height. And then the pandemic happened. You could have doubled your money by now. Right. You know, it's like, so... No one knows what the future holds. We but, don't know what the future holds. But if you can buy now, call Diane. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks very much for listening. Diane, thanks for joining My us. My pleasure. Uh, everybody have a great Thursday. Have a great weekend. I'm Andrew Dowd, and that is what's happening in the Hamptons.